It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where you're empowered with knowledge so that you can keep more of what you make. Clark.com's our main website, and ClarkDeals.com is where you go to save money on deals every day as our deal diggers look for bargains that'll put a smile on your face. Coming up in just a half hour, we're going to talk about a change going on in medicine right now that is one that could really hurt your wallet big time or make your wallet smile as long as you know how the game is being played and how to work it best to your wallet's advantage. Speaking of your wallet's advantage, there is a change going on right now in where we eat that's having a big effect on a lot of sit-down restaurants, mid-price sit-down restaurants, and it is creating a money-saving moment. It's another Clark Howard money-saving moment. So here's the deal. Traffic is down overall at mid-price chain restaurants and at independents. And so... There's going to be enormous experimentation to try to get revenues back up, and it generally will not be recession specials like were so much a deal last decade with uh, incredible deals on meals just for the entire schedule of restaurants open each week, but they're going to be far more targeted offers, and you're going to see something that will become a frequent addition to restaurants where there will be deals for early week diners, let's say. People that will go out and eat on Monday to Wednesday each week or Monday to Thursday. A lot of of restaurateurs do very well Thursday night through Sunday night but have more trouble getting people in Monday to Wednesday. So having early week specials is very likely to be a significant part about how mid-price restaurants deal with the loss of customers to the quick serves. Quick serves are the ones that they're above fast food. They have food that people perceive to be equivalent in quality to a mid-price sit-down, but it's part self-service. You go make your own beverage, you go get whatever napkins and forks and knives and whatever you need. You may get in a line to order, then you sit down and either somebody brings your food to you or they call you up to get your food. That segment of the market is booming, but traditional sit-down mid-price, not so much. So in addition to early week, you are going to see a lot of people offering off-peak deals for early dining hours and late dining hours. Because for mid-price restaurants, they have a peak time period that people eat, depending on the market, usually starting around 7 or 7.30. They'll be peaking till usually 9 o'clock. So you're going to see a trend where restaurants are offering deals, kind of like used to be the, the Florida thing where restaurants would offer the early bird specials till like six o'clock or whatever you're going to see a lot of that kind of thing going on where you'll get early deals or 
deals typically after nine o'clock if you're somebody who likes to eat late at night. The restaurants will tend to offer maybe smaller portions or a more limited menu. I recently was a place with my wife that had, if you sat in this bar lounge area, you had a separate menu. And it was funny, it was a, a fairly pricey restaurant, but we were able to order the items off the bar lounge menu that were 5 and $10 an item, where in the uh, restaurant part of the restaurant, that was a weird term to say, in the away from the bar area, the entrees were much more expensive than that. And so they're under one roof, able to get more traffic and serve differing and additional clientele than they would have otherwise. So there is no one clearinghouse to find these deals. But I want you to know they're going to be more and more common this year. And I think this is a trend that will continue for a significant period of time till the shakeout is complete in the restaurant industry. So you're the one who gets the savings. Joe joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Joe. Hi, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Certainly, Joe. You want to talk about your car. I do, but first I want to give two shout-outs to your, you and your team. Can I do that? Absolutely. All right. So, you know, I enjoy listening to all your podcasts. I'm amazed. After all these years, I still get, uh, I learn something constructive that, uh, that I can apply to my life. And, and, you know, I call these Clark's clever tips. I like uh, that. Yeah. All right. All right. Good. Uh, my second shout-out is to, to Team Clark. You know, I, I read all your tweets from Twitter, and I don't, men- don't hear you mention much on your show. I think everyone should uh, subscribe to your tweets because they're very helpful, too. Well, thank you very much. And, you know, we, what you don't see behind the scenes is how many of us there are working on our social media, working on the various websites we have, working off-air, and the whole team is more than 100 people. Wow. So awesome. I'm just a little tiny cog in this wheel. <laughs> so on to my question, uh, you stated in the past about having a high deductible for your car insurance. I'm in my 40s. My kids are too young to drive. I was wondering for you, you said you had a daughter that's starting to drive, and the likelihood of her getting a car accident is much higher probably. Do yeah, you, off the charts higher. Yes. So do you have a strategy of putting your deductible comp and collision to at zero or $100 or something really low? Because you know that she's likely going to be, you know, most likely, hopefully not, but but the likelihood of her being in a car accident is greater. Okay, so interesting question, and I would say the answer is actually the opposite. Really? When you have a young driver, most often they're not going to have a catastrophic accident you know as they learn to drive they're going to more likely back into a pole in a parking lot or they're going to scrape the side of the car somewhere whatever i mean because they're still getting used to the depth perception requirements of driving they don't have enough experience yet and a lot of things they'll have maybe smaller let's call them small fender bender kind of things and so you don't want to particularly when it's a one vehicle thing which often happens with a teenager you don't want to be tempted to make a claim in a case like that. You want to um, save money on the premiums and then pay for that out of pocket. Okay. And okay. my daughter has the car that 
she's been driving from time to time to school. Somehow there's a scuff on the right front fender. And she's like, I don't know how that happened. I don't know what, I don't think I did that. I mean, it's like, <laughs> I take her at her word. She doesn't know how that happened. And that's just typical of a young new driver. Yeah, I understand. Can I give a quick tip to your fellow listeners? Sure, please. So, there, you know, there's a large warehouse club. Uh, it rhymes with, like, Bosco. Yeah, go ahead and, and say Costco. Yeah, That's Costco, fine. Costco, yeah. Yeah, I recently had an interview with the CEO, Craig. You know, so one of the things, that the, the tip is that the, uh, they recently added a baby in wedding registry. But the, the tip is that... Uh, that you can buy like a $500,000 ring for engagement or a wedding, and 15 years later, you want to return it, guess what? They'll take it back, as long as you have your documentation. Yeah, it is. I mean, that's the thing about jewelry is uh, how often someone will get engaged, and the engagement period can be tense, uh, more than the dating phase, and a lot of times people don't make it to the altar, and then they got that ring. And I don't want to say it in terms of this is so negative i'm just saying but anyway let's say you you get your fiance a ring and she doesn't like it at most jewelers it's tough but at costco you take it back and they give you your money back or if things don't quite work out you take it you get your money back I and mean, it's the most flexible return policy of any seller of diamond rings in the united states as best i know Sean is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Sean, you want to talk about not the United States? <laughs> well, I'm interested. Oh, by the way, thanks for taking my call, Clark. Sure, I really appreciate it. And I was, you know, I was looking into investing, and there's a there's a currency market, a CD that I was looking into, and they say that there's no downside, and it's only upside, and that's something that scares me because there's always a downside. So I'm curious as far as CDs go. Are they a good investment choice, or should I be looking elsewhere? Well, CDs are normally not an investment. They are a parking place for your money. But are you talking about, this has come up before on the show, are you talking about Everbank? Yes. Okay, so Everbank is a very well-respected regional bank. Actually, I guess in some ways they're a national bank. And they sell these CDs that are calculated in foreign currency which can be extremely risky. But, you know, overseas, some of these countries, because of inflation and other local factors, where we're earning at best point and a half or so on a CD, in other countries, they may be paying 35% or whatever on a CD. So whatever bank does is they'll put you in a CD where it can be in a number of countries. And the one that's gotten a lot of buzz lately, I don't know if you saw it, but they put it in uh, five third world currencies. Mm-hmm. And they yep. put it in, uh, let's see, Turkey, China, um, Brazil, and India. India, somewhere else too. I forget the fifth mm-hmm. one. And then in this CD, you benefit from the very high interest rates in those countries. But... You have the risk that when a country has a lot of inflation, their currency may be continually devalued against the dollar. And so you have what's known as currency risk. 
So you could put your money in a CD for a number of years and lose money because of the mm-hmm. currency risk. So what they do at EverBank is they say, we're going to backstop it, and you may earn 0% on the CD if the currencies go crazy that we put the money in, but you'll never lose money of what you put in, but you'll get uh, most the upside of what might happen with these foreign currency CDs. Yeah. So, it, so do you feel like that's a good a good choice for me? I'm, it's I'm completely it's right completely now. legit. It would be just a part of a saving strategy. I wouldn't call it investing. Okay. But it is so, a way that, you know, if you're sitting there looking with money you're saving and you're saying, "Wait a minute. You're going to pay me this puny little amount that I'll get after, you know, 1 3 5 years." Mm-hmm. it's worth it to take some money if you don't mind the chance that you might get 0% and have your money tied up for those years. I think okay. it's worth so, it. But Do you think a mortgage would be a better investment choice then? Because I could throw it into my mortgage instead. What's your mortgage interest rate? 3%. No, I wouldn't do that. What about <laughs> what are you doing to invest? Uh, the Roth, like you suggested. All right, maxing so you're maxing that out. That out? Yeah, so mm-hmm. if you wanted to put some money into one of these foreign currency CDs, which, if I remember, they have various flavors, you could do that, but remember, it's not it's not true investing. It's just an alternative strategy to try to generate more money from your savings. And yes, I think it would be a better choice than prepaying on that fantastic 3% mortgage you have. Richard is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Richard. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Clark. How are you? Good, thank you. You want to talk about Uber and Lyft. I do. Um, By the way, I've been on both sides of that. I've been a driver for both, and I've been a passenger a lot with Uber and Lyft. Oh, really? And I'll tell you, it's changed things for me. A lot of times when I would have rented a car, when I go to a city for the show, I now depend on Uber and Lyft and then don't have to worry about parking, getting parking tickets, or um, trying to figure out where I'm going to stick a car. And so it's been a real money saver for me using Uber and Lyft on a lot of trips I do for the show. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I actually started driving for Uber uh, I guess about maybe a year and a half ago, um, and I really enjoyed driving. I could drive whenever I want to, make a little extra money. Um, however, I, I have a really good relationship with my insurance agent, and she called me in one day and said, hey, uh, are you driving for Uber? And I said, yeah, I'm driving for Uber. And she asked me, she said, so you really kind of need to stop. Uh, she said that, my insurance could be canceled because of it. So, you know, this has been an issue around the country, and Uber and Lyft both offer supplemental insurance, but your own automobile insurer, depending on how they've updated how they handle people being Uber and Lyft drivers, may be hostile to you or may be supportive of it. And so uh, this came up very early when there was a tragic accident years ago involving, I don't even remember if it was an Uber or Lyft driver, but 
there are insurers now that are allowing people on their personal policies to be Uber and Lyft drivers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't even realize that it was an issue until uh, she said that there's no there's no coverage, there's no provision uh, in the policy for um, me driving. And so I'm glad you brought this up because we haven't talked about the insurance issue in at least more than a year. And before you drive with Uber or Lyft, Richard, you are on the money. you got to make sure that your own automobile insurer will allow that. They may require some supplement from you, but you got to know up front, not later after you have a problem. So glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show where you learn ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website, and Clark.com slash ask is where you go to ask me a question. You also can get your question answered off the air. We do that nine hours each weekday. On the main screen of Clark.com, scroll down on the left-hand side. You'll see the number and hours for free off-the-air advice. I talked to you about some stuff going on with medicine in most midsize and large metro areas, there's been this push and pull between the insurance industry and the hospitals. And so the hospitals face these very large insurance companies. So what the hospitals have been doing is they've been bulking up. They've been buying their competitors, and they have multiple hospital locations now in a metro area, particularly the larger ones and smaller ones, they might just have a couple of hospitals. And what they try to do is they try to get enough market share in a metro area that the insurers are the weaker player when they negotiate on reimbursement so the hospitals can charge more. But the hospitals have gone a step beyond this too. Now they are buying up independent nurse in a box, doc in a box, urgent care centers. And what they're trying to do is create an entire feeder system for their hospitals. I was in uh, one of the drugstore chains recently picking up a prescription. And to my left, there was what had been a medical clinic that was operated by the Uh, by the drugstore chain or under contract with someone and it was so simple they had a big lcd screen like a big tv screen that had the prices of everything they did well that location had been bought by one of the big hospital systems and the prices that they showed which were very few had gone up by a factor of at least five what they had been before, before the hospital bought that little nurse-in-a-box operation where you see a nurse practitioner there, and, and now the prices were a fortune, more than you'd have if you had a regular physician going to his or her office. And that's not a fluke. That's part of the whole economic model of the hospitals is to drive out independent competition they're also buying a huge number of the independent doctors practices particularly in specializations where they can get potential high dollar uh, patient referrals for 
checking someone into the hospital for inpatient care. So you and I, now most of us, if we have health coverage, whether we have it independently or even from a large employer, we're faced with larger and larger deductibles. So we're the ones that are now sitting ducks where before if my kid wasn't feeling well on the weekend, I could take them in to the nurse in a box and for a $59 visit charge be seen that was now $250 at that place. And you've got to know, you've got to look, and when you see a place and you pull into it, and again, it's different if somebody's got, you know, their arm falling off, you know, a, a true real emergency versus something that is uh, something you want to be seen for, you got to know the pricing. And I'll tell you this, if you go to any doc in a box, nurse in a box, freestanding facility, and they don't have pricing readily available for you when you walk in, no, it's not going to be cheap. They're going to eat you up. I'll tell you something else. If you go to the website, you're sitting in the parking lot, and you go to the website for one of these hospital-affiliated facilities that are away from the hospital, they could be 20 miles from the hospital. Who knows? And you go to that facility, and before you walk in, pull up, see what price list they show. If there's no price list on the website, know that the hospital is there, to mean your wallet is going to need medical care. So it's not like the hospitals are evil, terrible. But the real problem here in medicine remains the lack of transparency. You know, the free enterprise system only works when you as a consumer can make a choice knowing what the price of something is. Medicine does not want you to be able to comparison shop at a very time that you and I are responsible for a greater and greater share of that cost. Gary is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Gary. Hi, Clark. How are you doing? Great, thank you. You have a special warning for your fellow listener. What's going on? Uh, well, a, a couple of months ago, we were up at my daughter's house in Minneapolis, and we left our old English sheepdog with my wife's cousin. And we get a call uh, Saturday morning, my dog ate her hearing aids. So right away I was upset that, oh, this lady's going to be walking around without her hearing aids. Get them replaced right away. I'll call it into my insurance man. My insurance man. And they're worried that this dog's going to get real sick. So anyway, the dog doesn't get sick, but my insurance man says, well, the this happened in your cousin's house, so we're not covering it. They have to turn. They had to turn it in to their insurance man. So I call them up humbly and said, I have, "They want you to call your insurance man, and they're supposed to cover it, and I'll pay the deductible." Well, it ends up. Well, it's not their dog, so they're not covering it. So it ends up six thousand dollars in hearing aids. Uh, them and us. $6,000? Yeah. 
$6,000, so we split it 3000 each. Oh, man. And you would have thought of insurance company. This is the perfect accident that an insurance company would cover, and neither of them did. Okay, so how do we know that the insurance company that, because uh, it normally would go against the homeowners of your cousin, how do we know that the insurance company said the truth? Well, they didn't pay. <laughs> that doesn't mean that doesn't mean they had a right not to pay. That's kind of what I was wondering. It certainly seems like if it happened in their house, they borrowed. They didn't borrow my dog. They, they babysat the dog for a week, and they've had a dog before, and nobody was expecting my dog to eat hearing aids off a coffee table. First time he ever did anything like it. Right. And they told them, and I spoke to their insurance lady, and they said, no, we're not covering it. Well, again, just because they say that doesn't mean it's right. But I'm going to tell you the craziest thing. You're going to think I've lost my mind, okay? Okay. So the way you get an insurance company to get in the game, believe it or not, is your cousin sues you. For the loss of the hearing aids, and then the insurance company has to step in and defend you under the liability portion of your homeowner's policy. Oh, okay. And then the insurers have to figure out among themselves what they're going to do and and who's going to do it. But I would say with $6,000 on the line, it would be a really good idea for you to talk to a lawyer about this oh okay and find out because because i went to a website that talked about dog bites and i told them and they said well this is interesting we'll get back to you and they never called back it was like now we're not touching it either (laughs) well but you'll i mean they're not going to do something like that on a contingency You, you need to go sit down with the lawyer pay him or her for a half hour, hour of his or her time and see if there there is a grounds. They'll want to see both your homeowner's policy declaration, you know, the full thing, and your cousin's. Oh, okay. And just because, I'm telling you, just because an insurer told you to get lost and told your cousin to get lost doesn't mean they're, they're telling you the truth. Oh. And that's why... With $6,000 in play here, you need that professional help, and that's where a lawyer comes in. So, Gary, let me know what you find out, because I'm really curious who ends up on the hook. And you know what else, Gary? We're going to hear from people in the insurance industry that are going to share their opinions as well. Kyle's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Kyle, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Hey, Clark. Kyle, how can I be of service to you? I am planning to go back to college, and I have myself a two-year degree. I'm looking to get a four-year degree in the same state. Now, before I do that, I've been nervous about taking out any loans and stuff like that. So I've been looking at maybe what might be the best way uh, to do that. Thankfully, I have a good job. Unfortunately, I can't save all the money that I'll need uh, for tuition and everything. What I've been planning is to uh, get a vehicle. And then once I uh, 
get that paid off, take out a personal loan with the vehicle uh, as collateral, and that would get me a two-point side interest rate against me, depending on the year of the vehicle. And then I, with the uh, money that I save up before then, I would like to put that into some sort of uh, short-term investment. What I was thinking is putting that into Acorns, and then the nice part about that is it's available uh, when I need to withdraw it. Uh, if there should be an emergency where I would need to withdraw more in a month than I thought I would. But I've also been kind of kicking around the idea of lending it on a pure lending site. Okay, wondering what you, you are complicating your life so way too much, Kyle. We got to talk here. All right. Okay, so uh, the thing you were talking about with the car and then putting up the car as collateral and getting a new loan, your situation yeah. is one that uh, you're very careful with money. You hate borrowing money, and the federal student loan program is there for you. I would do your borrowing under the federal student loan program. How much is it going to cost you for your junior and senior year? Um, so total is probably looking between twenty-five to twenty-eight thousand, and that's before scholarships. Okay, and plus you're going to have saved some money up front to defray it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, keep it simple. Keep saving money like you are. But don't do acorns in your case, because acorns is really you you could put money in investments and the investments could go down before you need the money to go to school. Acorns is a long term play. So I, I wouldn't do that as a place to stash cash. You you really need a parking space for the money you're saving so that you don't lose any of it. And I would just put it in an online savings account. You're not going to earn a lot and just stick your extra cash that you're going to use for school into that best to you is you complete that quest and remember keep it simple this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance hey listeners whether you love true crime or comedies celebrity interviews news or even motivational speakers you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue right and guess what now you can call the shots on your auto insurance too Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Pat is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Pat, you have a dilemma for your teenage daughter. Let's see if I can help you. Uh, Okay. Um, If we have time, I've got some advice for you and your listeners how to make some extra money and get healthy at the same time. Okay, sure. Go with that. In youth sports today, uh, there's a shortage of referees in any and every sport. I'm a soccer referee, making a couple extra thousand dollars a year. Keeps me busy, you know, physically healthy, mentally healthy, and everything. If you're an order guy or a gal, you know, gets you uh, reattached to the game that you loved when you were a kid, and it's all upside. 
that sounds like a great idea except for the crazy parents. Yeah, you just have to learn to ignore them, and then you're good. But I love that idea to stay fit and be around a sport that you loved growing up. Right. Wonderful. Okay. Uh, my situation, uh, my daughter, she uh, has just received an offer for a co-op down in either Fort Lauderdale or Miami, Florida. I'm in Ohio. It's a five-month uh, next January 18th, the end of May, um, housing. Um, uh, I, the company so, kind of gives them a little bit of information, but what's the best way to, to look for that? All right, so tell me the months she'll be there, the five months? She'll be there from the beginning of January 18th through the end of May 18th. It's too bad the, it's not starting in May and running into the fall because... You're crossing over several months of the peak season. Agreed. So uh, the co-op, how old's your daughter? She is 19. She's in her second year at the University of Cincinnati. Wow. So you don't want her just, like normally if it were an adult going down to live for a while, I'd talk about the advantages of renting a multi-month rental on Airbnb. Um, yes, a friend of mine, uh, their son was out in San Diego this summer, and that's what they did. But as a teenage daughter, I, I don't know that you want to do that because she'd be by herself. Are they uh, offering I'm, I'm, any arrangement? Uh, offering, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, they're offering $1,000 a month in housing allowance, and I'm hoping she'll be able to, uh, you know, get a, uh, share a if they're a place with uh, one of the other co-ops that's going to be there during the same amount of time. All right, so in this case, I have a really crazy suggestion. I want you to go down to Fort Lauderdale with her and look at places with her because neighborhood matters in that area. Doing it from Ohio is too hard to do it over the Internet. I think you look for places that are available on Airbnb or VRBO, but you got to go see them. Is that something you could do, or is that impossible? Um, I don't have a ready flow of cash, but um, it's something that, that could be done. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, if you, get, if you have to drive down, you could get down there in a couple of days. Right. You know, a lot of people uh, from Ohio do that long drive in a very long day. I don't recommend it. But I think this is, I mean, this is your daughter. You're sending her to an unfamiliar city. I think you've got to go in order to make it work for her and be safe for her and and not just blindly pick a place because I, I can't stress enough what I said up front. In South Florida, neighborhood really matters. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. I want you to know that I appreciate so much that you've just tuned into our podcast, that you had faith in the information and advice you get. You want more information from us? One of the best ways to get Clark Smart is with our free newsletters, Clark Daily, Clark Deals, and Travel Escape. Sign up now. You'll be able to unsubscribe at any time if you think I'm wasting your time. Go to clark.com newsletters.